The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. 27 years ago today, Ali appeared for the first time in the field of apparitions. We had been asking her to go out for the public who started gathering around the house. Our lady wouldn't answer. And then we stopped asking. And out of the blue, the night before Thanksgiving, which back then it was date was November 24th, today is November 26th. Our lady said on the 23rd, the evening, that tomorrow I'll appear outside and I invite everybody to come. And we knew intuitively it was for the tree and by the tree. I won't go into all the story there. Many of you know it. But what's important is, is she, our lady, who chose that day and for the three months that she stayed till January, November through January, she never appeared back on that spot again. All the other apparitions were in the bedroom of apparitions, where she gave many messages, spoke to us, gave us guidance. I she gave us a foundation that, she, that we run the community by because she asked for a community to be established. And so what happened when she went out there? 
By the end of those few days, our lady's already with us. Many began to start slandering. Many became jealous. We began to get attacked. And while everybody was experiencing peace, we had the forces of hell started to come against us. And why would that not be the case? Especially by what our lady was saying, the Satan sense, oh, there's something happening here. Our lady's establishing something. She didn't just follow Maria. And that's exactly the words our distractors started to say. Oh, well, our lady's going to appear wherever Maria is. So they immediately began to discount this as not anything extraordinary, except for the apparition of our lady is extraordinary. But geographically, the place wasn't. We weren't trying to make it into something. We never intended or thought that our lady would give us apparitions in the field or the bedroom or a home at all. We didn't even think we would get apparition in the house. We thought the appropriate place was in a church. Our lady had another plan. Our lady had another intention. And so they were saying, here is not important. Here is not the place. It's only in Medjugorje. And even from Medjugorje, the plan's only there, not anywhere else. And yet Our Lady contradicted that. And so she goes to the field. She said the night before, I invite the public to come. And that's 1040 at night. How do you get the word out? By the time the apparition is over and people around the bedroom and heard this, there were not a lot of people that knew about it. So they left the house at 11 o'clock. By the time I get home at 12, it's too late to call anybody. And the apparition is going to be at 1040 the next morning, meaning the rosary would start at 10. And that would be on Thanksgiving Day with people having plans. People already had their life coursed out for the feast day of Thanksgiving. So we was very surprised how quickly the road passed in just really a very few short hour or two because by the time they woke up, we arranged everything and came out, leaving at 9 o'clock to get out of here. 400 people showed up. We was very surprised at the number. So our lady initiated this out of the blue. And then she gave a message in the field. She said, I invite you to live my messages. And then she discounted, gave us peace, that all the distractors trying to say, she's not here for any other reason except Maria's there, and that's why she's appearing. But our lady contradicted that by saying the next sentence, she says, I am here to help you. She came to our nation. She came to us. And she said from the spot, I will intercede for you to God for all your intentions. I invite you to live my messages. I am here to help you. I will intercede for you to God for all your intentions. That put us at total peace no matter what anybody said. Because we knew at that point when she said, I am here to help you, she's not following Maria like a puppy dog, which many people have started to say. Those who didn't believe, but those who did believe said, well, we're trying to make something that wasn't to be. Is it by chance that she chose that day of Thanksgiving when this is the only day the United States of America gives thanks to what? The day of luck? Lucky blessings throughout your whole life? Or to the nation? Give thanksgiving to the nation? Or to the president? Or whatever God you have in your life? Or thanksgiving to money because it bought you these things? No, it's thanksgiving to God the Father. It's unique on our day. 
Yes, Canada has a day of Thanksgiving. Europe has these things. But this day is designated from the birth of our nation, from the very beginning, that we are to give thanks to God the Father, thanksgiving for the blessings. Our Lady wanted to accentuate that. Our Lady wanted to capitalize that. Our Lady wanted to invigorate that. Because at the same time, we have people going the other way. They want to revise Thanksgiving. Many start calling it Turkey Day. Don't think that's by accident. And fools that say that are following the professors and these people that put these things out in the verbiage war, the language war, to change and revise history. There's a move to change Thanksgiving. In fact, we were just hearing a documentary talking about Thanksgiving is not what you think it's about, that the pilgrims were starving. And they dug up the Indians' graves or something like that because there was food there. Who's going to want to eat food next to a corpse? We've got the lowest denominator you can go to in any event to the highest denominator. You can say, well, some of our forefathers are bad. Well, who was the, worst? Who was the bad apple? Who was the lowest common denominator? Go to your fifth grade class at school. You could name or ask the kids name who's the lowest denominator as far as not being a good kid or not being very good at what he does or whatever. In every event, there's people accompanying it where they accompany George Washington, they accompany Jesus and his 12 disciples. That you got the highest denominator, which in holiness, you'd say John. In leadership, you'd say Peter. And all the traits of no leadership, bad, the bad apple is Judas. So you're going to write everything based on Judas? Time Magazine did that several years ago. He was Jesus' best friend. He was the highest denominator because they want to elevate that. History wants to put the lowest common denominator as what happened in history because they can say it's true. So they said Judas did more than anybody else to bring about salvation because he turned Jesus in and him and Jesus conspired to do this. You go turn me in, then I can be killed, I can be redeemed, and you're part of salvation history. They wrote that. And many believe that or get confused by it. So you have the professors, you have the universities, you have the media going to the lowest common denominator of an event to revise history and say just what this new thing coming out saying, well, Thanksgiving is not what you think. The pilgrims were starving. They were stealing food. That's what they say. Really? Well, the highest denominator of that is that they had three days of games with the Indians. They celebrated. They made a feast because they had showed them how to grow crops and plant corn. And pilgrims, in their gratefulness, invited them to come. And in that invitation, we have Thanksgiving with the first pilgrims. Which version are you going to accept? Jamestown was established. The first thing they did on the shore is put a cross up. A very noble thing to do. We've spoken about this before. I won't go into what happened 100 years later, but it changed the Revolutionary War because they consecrated that ground. But I'm not telling you this story for that. I'm telling you they moved a few miles inland. They had a terrible winter. They began to starve to death. And one guy killed his wife and ate her. That's history. But Jamestown, the cross, that's not legitimate because these people wasn't uh, that good. Every event has the bad apple, and it's got the top one, the golden apple. So don't buy into the media. 
Don't buy these these things. Don't ever call Thanksgiving Turkey Day because it's antichrist. It's to move away from giving Thanksgiving to God the Father. And we got it from our very origins of this nation, a Christian nation that we don't have to apologize to anybody nor placate their religion. We can accept them to do that, but they cannot put it in public policy. We do not and should not put Islam in our law, in our Congress, or anyone that wants to run for office is that. You say, oh, we can't do that. No, we're a Christian nation. How can you govern this with Christian law, or laws based in Christian principles, if you have another thought or belief? Should you be protected as a Muslim in this nation? Certainly. But we're allowing and stepping aside as equality that it's on the same par, and it's not. Jesus Christ is the only future. The Virgin Mary said that. And I don't have to apologize to anybody for that. The Muslims have a right to say what they want to say, but they don't have a right to put it in public policy or abide by that. So what's the denominator we go by? We've got to read this Mass today in the meditations. The Riz is going to read. This comes from the Magnificat book that contains the daily readings. The first president of the United States, George Washington, issued this proclamation in 1789. Thanksgiving. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbling to implore His protection and favor, and whereas both houses of Congress have, by their joint committee, requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation, for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence and the course and conclusion of the late war, for the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty which we have since enjoyed, for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted, for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed, and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general for all the great and various favors which he has been pleased to confer upon us, and also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations, and beseeching him to pardon our national and other transgressions, to enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually, to render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, 
discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed, to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as have shown kindness to us, and to bless them with good governments, peace, and concord, to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue, and the increase of science among them and us, and, generally, to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. George Washington So which denominator do you want to go to, our forefathers? High deeds and noble deeds usually follow the leadership of who it is or what they're following. These deeds are followed by most of the majority of those there instead of those who are on the lower common denominator of not being up with the rest of them. Do you describe the founding of our nation by George Washington and those who supported him or are in league with him? Or Thomas Paine, who wrote Common Sense, which did help the revolution, but the historians love to bring up because he was agnostic or he didn't believe in God, and etc. Where do you go to? You don't define things by that. Well, most of our forefathers didn't believe in God. Thomas Jefferson was a deist, etc., etc. I term this the lowest common denominator, where the media in the world goes to. But Karl Marx used this method. He instituted calling everything to question. Well, that's not really how it happened. He rephrased things, started making people doubt about how things came about. And that way he had to get rid of the present system or cause people to question to put a new system in. But even preceding him is the French Revolution. One of the king's family members, friend, started doing some of the first propaganda calling to question the king and the seat of the king. He started putting out a lot of media that wasn't even existent at that moment. He created these things and brought about the French Revolution. And what this is, is revolutionary. It is changing the world. So we have a constant war of revising history. And we have George Washington proclamation that's documented. You don't ever hear that. You might hear the most, oh yeah, we have a proclamation from George Washington. But we've got to go back into our history. We have to teach just like the Muslims are teaching their three-year-olds to be jihadist, that our children need to really learn the noble deeds of our forefathers. And we are to ignore and object to the lowest denominators. We don't teach Jamestown was bad because one man killed his wife and cannibalized her to stay alive. So we need to have truth of understanding things in history and know when something's up, especially today, when anything's objecting to our founding, what's going on, and bringing up the negative, that this is not of God. We have the reading today in the booklet Magnificat that Rhea has just read. And it's very interesting where it goes to from here, from this Thanksgiving day. This is the gospel reading from Mass for Thanksgiving. A reading from Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, know that its desolation is at hand. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains, that those within the city escape from it, and that those in the countryside not enter the city. For these days are the time of punishment, 
when all the scriptures are fulfilled. Woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days, for a terrible calamity will come upon the earth and a wrathful judgment upon this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be taken as captives to all the Gentiles, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on earth nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these signs begin to happen, stand erect and raise your heads because your redemption is at hand. Wow. Do you think there's any coincidence? And perhaps our lady was asleep in heaven and she didn't know that last night when she gave the message to Maria and she said, peace is in danger. She precedes that. Pray for my intentions. Peace is in danger. Satan is attacking and tempting in every way. She precedes that with be carriers of peace and hope in this restless world. Do you think that she knew a few hours later, the next morning, today, the gospel, the armies would surround Israel? The scriptures are real time. Yes, it appeared and it applied 2,000 years ago, 70 AD, when the Romans surrounded Jerusalem to destroy it. But scriptures are timeless. Our Lady gave a message yesterday in real time. Those scriptures given by Jesus, 33 AD, and then 70 AD, just 40 years later when it happened, was considered to be in real time. And so yesterday's message by Our Lady is real time. But it's timeless too because it will apply when the Antichrist does this final thing on the earth. So when I said peace is in danger, then we have to stop and be thoughtful about that, that the gospel the next day should be turboed for us and reflected on the next week. All this whole week, it's not by chance. It's orchestrated by heaven's design to reach us to tell us the world is in trouble, is restless. Satan is attacking and tempting in every way. Little children, be firm in prayer and courageous in faith. Well, we need faith tested today, and we have to be courageous. We see this coming on us. Just before we went on the air, I called Maria. We were speaking. I said, Maria, what did you feel when you heard the words, peace in danger? How was all his disposition? She said she was tranquil. I said, what did you think when you heard it? She says, I didn't have response immediately. I said, well, what do you think about it? She says, when our lady says, pray for my intentions, it means something very important. That struck me profoundly. Because our lady has said, pray for my intentions only 27 times in 34 years of apparitions. And when you think about that, that means she's got some kind of plan. She's got some kind of action she's going to take. 
is things in that great of a crisis? We found out recently through new documents, top secret documents released, that Russia in September of 83 had miscalculated the United States' readiness to go to a nuclear war and the things they were doing. And they interpreted it at that time that they had built up a military superiority at such a degree. And when they reached a certain point, what they would do is do a preemptive attack, a launch against Russia, nuclear war-wise. They became almost fanatic over it. They did automatic computerized mechanisms to determine that objectively when it was going to happen and when the NATO forces with them would attack. And what's really scurious about this is that Russia, the Soviet leaders, planned to respond with a launch to preempt the strike. Things prepared for that way, went that way. Two months before that happened, in September of 83, a Soviet system malfunctioned and indicated U.S. missiles were headed towards the Soviet Union. Their computers showed that we had launched nuclear weapons. And only one man who doubted it, overnight, officer on duty, stopped it, the retaliatory strike, because he doubted the, the, the data. You don't think Our Lady had anything to do with that? You don't think Yvonne, when he says the world would have destroyed ourselves if Our Lady had not come? This is evidence. This is top secret documents released. So we know we have a nuclear-charged war. We know we're in trouble. We know peace is in danger. And we have circumstances brewing that Satan wants to make this happen. He's tempted in every way to make this come about. And so where do we go from here? King Nebuchadnezzar went into a rage when Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego didn't kneel down before him and what he commanded him to do. So he made the furnace. He made it so hot that even the men who threw him in were incinerated. When this happened, they got into the furnace and started walking around. The first thing they did is they praised God. Blessed are you and praiseworthy, O Lord, the God of our fathers, and glorious forever is your name. But then they said something interesting. The formation of prayer after communion we receive is the first thing you do is you praise God. The second thing you do is you go into repentance and then make your request of him or your intentions. Shortly after they entered the fire, they said, For we have sinned and transgressed by departing from you. We have done every kind of evil. Your commandments we have not heeded or observed nor have we done as you have ordered us for our good. Therefore you have brought upon us all you have done to us. You have done by proper judgment. You have handed us over to our enemies, lawless and hateful rebels, to an unjust king, the worst in the world. And so it is what John just got to reading when the army surround Israel. We see this. We have it confirmed not only there, we have it confirmed directly from heaven by Our Lady. Peace is in danger. How do we avoid this? This parallels going to the altar, receiving Jesus. First thing you do is you praise Him. The second thing you do, you acknowledge your sinfulness. The third thing you do, and then you make your request or your petition. In this case, we pray for Our Lady's intentions. I'm being repetitious on purpose. When Our Lady came here in 1988, 
seven years after the apparitions began, she'd only said, pray for my intentions three times. And in the next three months when she got here, she said it eight times. Just only here a couple of days, our lady says, November 26, 1988. I ask you once again to pray, especially pray for my intentions. Every time I say this, remember, Maria just told me just a few minutes ago that when I say pray for my intention, that means something very, very special. How should we understand that? If our lady has an intention, that means she's got something that's not granted. And if she wants something granted, that means she has some plans to fulfill. That means she wants to institute something. That means she's going before God with intentions and her prayers alone are not enough because you're in heaven, you know me, the people of earth don't want it, they have to support you. She rallies this up. She says, I ask you once again to pray, especially to pray for my intentions here. She said this here. That was the first time she said it here. So that means she has a plan. She said, I'm here to help you. The fact that she has said that eight times here means something. So what does it mean? We have seven previous years, only three times does a lady say, pray for my intentions. And eight times in a compressed period of November, December, and January, when she was here, saying, pray for my intentions. It means she was initiating something. According to what Maria told me, that when a lady says, pray for my intentions, it has some special meaning. It's very powerful. We know what happened here by what's manifested here. So what about the other time she said that across 34 years? She's only said, pray for my intentions 27 times during that period. That means a fourth of those pray for my intentions was here. And even the last apparition Anna Maria had here, which was September 16, 2014, we're in the bedroom of apparitions. And Maria is gathered with us there in the community. Our Lady appears and immediately Our Lady gives a message. We knew by looking at Maria something was going on. This doesn't happen. Even on the 25th message, Maria asked Our Lady for the message. We didn't ask. We didn't turn to her about anything. Our Lady starts speaking immediately, and she says to Maria, Today, I desire to thank you all for your prayers. Maria later read this and broke up at that point. She couldn't read it. She was so emotional, impacted, that Our Lady came so forward in saying this to the community. Today, I desire to thank you for all your prayers and sacrifices which you are offering for my intentions. This is a place that lives for her intentions. Whatever she wants, we say in the prayer for the boat of God, grant her 100-fold her intentions for the valley. 10,000 consecrations since that time of 88. Praying for her intentions is our life, is who we are, is what we do. And I finished the message Maria read, I bless you all with my motherly blessing. She continued in the same message as November 26, 1988. If you pray for my intentions, mention it again, I will be glorified through you. That's pretty profound. What she was calling us to do 
this small group was to be glorified. You, one priest says, "I don't believe our lady said that." She would never ask for to be glorified. She's not. It's God's plan. My response to him was, "Who believed in Medjugorje? Well, why do we have the glorious mysteries? Why is she in the glorious mysteries? Why is she assumed into heaven at the fourth and at the fifth coronated as queen? You think she's glorified? What's the problem there?" I will be glorified through you. All your prayers are going to help you through my hands. So our prayers through her grants her intentions with institute a plan, a plan that she has that she wants to enact upon the earth. And even part of it here, we begin to see that. It unfolded here. Because we can go from 1988 all the way to 2012. And after millions and tens of millions of prayers, novenas, fasting, our lady finally gave what we're asking for for this nation. Form and make prayer groups, she said, through which we'll pray for your healing, a healing that we've been praying for for these 20-something plus years. To give us the answer, what do we need to do, Mary? We consecrate this nation to you. We consecrate ourselves, our purpose for our life to you, this community, this ground, this holy place, this nation because this nation we know Israel depends on, and we know Israel's survival depends on that and the whole world. That's why our leaders are looking up to us now. That's why France just came and met with our president, who is the worst king on the earth, because he's the most powerful king, just like Abednego was saying in Meshach with their prayers. You handed us over to our enemies, lawless and hateful rebels, and an unjust king, the worst in the world, the most powerful man in the world who could stop everything right now with our prayers. If he was right, but he's not right because we're not right, so we're never going to get that granted, but the means are there because the powerful of the nation is what I'm speaking about, not him, or that we're justly deserving that, is within the intentions of Our Lady. So she says again on December 14th, 1988, I would like you to pray for my intentions. December 15th, 1988, dear children, I love you and I wish you to pray for my intentions with the love you have for me so that every plan of God about each one of you may be fulfilled. We felt something was going on. We felt something big when she said this, that she began to plan things. We didn't think the first time or the second time, but slowly our mentality is saying, and Maria even realizing there's something going on here. Maria is not just being followed. There's some kind of formation taking place. Dear children, I love you, and I wish you to pray for my intentions with the love you have for me so that every plan of God about each one of you may be fulfilled. January 17th, 1989. Pray for my intentions. With this prayer, I would like to help each one of you. January 18th. 1989, pray for my intentions, another American message. January 26, 1989, actually that the story behind this message was we felt too small, my wife and I, to ask Our Lady a message. We did ask Our Lady a question, I did, on a few occasions, but it was nothing to do with me, nothing to do personally. It was about her plan and about what she was wanting to unfold for the world. And she answered them. In subsequent years, there's been references to this, and she gave more messages about it to me through Maria. But this day, January 18th, 1989, was our anniversary. We always knelt beside the bed on both sides of Maria. This time, we wanted to kneel together, so we'd get to the left of the bed, back away from the posts toward the door. 
Well, we knelt down and said, Mary, we're not asking you to give a message. We don't deserve to even approach you there for a private message. But if you could say something in the message of what you ask of us, what you want from us and through our marriage and through our family, through this house, through this home, what, what do you want to tell us? January 18th, 1989, she said on our anniversary, pray for my intentions. We immediately took this to heart that our marriage, our purpose, that's what we're to be praying for. We moved to January 22nd, 1989. I wish you to pray for my intentions. Only in this way can you come closer to God. I will guide you to him. Pray to children. I am with you. January 23rd, 1989. In the bedroom again. I would like you to pray for my intentions. Again, a private message was given that day. Something I'd ask our lady. It goes on for the 27 messages. But the most intense period was here in America. Remember to put all this into context that I'm telling you about, all the messages of our lady's intentions and with the events and the apparitions of what she did. Here at Caritas, the community didn't exist. It was another five or six years before that came into being. And that's part of her intentions. Caritas wasn't even located out here at the time. It was purely a plan our lady was formulating here on the grounds, here in our home. It means something. And as history goes along, it's going to show that there's spiritual history here for the healing of the United States because we jumped to 2012 and she gave us the formula. Former met prayer groups to which we'll pray for your healing. That's what we've been praying for, for healing. For yourselves and this nation. She doesn't ever do that. She's not ever said that. She's never referred to a nation in this way. Of all the nations upon the earth. To come closer to God and to me. There's something to give thanksgiving for today about. Really gratefulness that we've got the answer. The bishops aren't acting on it. Others aren't acting on it. Are you? Are you forming your programs? Are you getting ready? The three in the fire came out. And King Nebuchadnezzar, seeing this, was stunned. The brimstone, the pitch, the fire, the flames that rose, 49 cubits, was pretty impressive because they wasn't touched. And when they came out, he said to them, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel to deliver the servants that trusted in him. They disobeyed the royal command and yielded their bodies rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. I am not going to stop the messages. I'm not going to quit speaking about them. I'm not going to go by the royal decrees of insinuations of the inserters in the church say the church says this, or this is only approved and only going to give you the right to say it's worthy of belief. Do you realize our lady's here saying peace is in danger? You want me to wait for church approval? Do you want to wait for church approval? You need to be speaking of the messages from the rooftops. If the parish priest forbids it, go outside. Go to the parish directory. Start spreading Medjugorje. Be thankful our lady's here. Because had she not be here, you would not be here. I wouldn't be here. She couldn't come to the field and say, I'm here to help you because there'd be no help. She is our answer. She is our hope. The main reason I bring up about King Nebuchadnezzar is because the three didn't back down and they admitted Israel's sins when they got in there, saying this is right judgment. The world faces this right now. Our Lady is here because of that to mitigate that, 
through prayer you can medicate, the admonitions is coming. But they didn't back down. They went into the fire. And they admitted their sins along with that, even though they were walking and defying the royal decrees given that they had to bend down to the gods. We're not doing that to the God of the cell phones. We just had our pastor at Sunday Mass say something remarkable. The God of football, the God of the golf course. He got real strong because he had a heart attack three or four weeks ago. Makes you think when you come to face death. And so we're facing something now that we can learn from the Bible and the fiery fire where the three were saved from, that we can be saved. And these decrees about Medjugorje, we are to know her as a matter of conscience. Am I saying to find the church? No, I'm saying to obey Our Lady. She's guiding us. If we're to obey what well, some people are telling us we have to obey too, which is not disobedience, if we don't, because proper relations can be followed, then we'd be ignoring what she just told us last night. I need your prayers because peace is in danger. I need it right now. You want to wait on that? No, you follow the witness of the three who was thrown in the fire. They're willing to lose their life because they were not going to back down. And that's where we are in the world. This is an important lesson, just like the Gospels told us today. Nebuchadnezzar says, Therefore I decree for nations and people of every language, whoever blasphemes God of Sherak, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be cut to pieces and his house destroyed. There's going to be sweeping conversion of Muslims. You're going to see that. The mentalities have to change. You see the heathens, how they were? Instead of taking godly principles, they're going to cut everybody up. That's what the apostles' roles is about, is teach them how to be a Christian. Hey, you can't do the methods to make them believe in Jesus Christ. You can't keep beheading people if they don't become Christian. You got to get rid of that. You got to be transformed. You got to be changed. Our lady's intentions are profound. She needs guides. She needs people, people trained, recognition. They have suffered, gone through the fire. That's our intention is to form a base of a group here. And part of our charisma is to teach people that and teach people how to be apostles. To get rid of the mentality, well, I'm going to shoot them, I'm going to kill them, I'm going to do this. We'll make people Christians. That's not the way. There has to be transformation. Alayah said on the last monthly message of the three that was given here, January 25th, 1989, pray that you may be open to everything that God does to you so that in your life you may be enabled to give thanks to God and rejoice over everything that he does to each individual. I give you my blessing. It's a great thing when our lady gives her blessing. It's a great thing when she connotates that and says it. It means something, and there's a causation because power comes from her hands and her heart and a prayer before God that he dispenses through her a physical effect on your soul, your surroundings, your environment. And that's why she preceded this by saying, In your life, you may be enabled to give thanks to God and rejoice over everything he does to you. That's what this day's about. She continued the November 24th apparition of Thanksgiving all the way to January's message. Beautiful thing. And so our lady said on the November 25th, two months before that, she says, I call you to prayer. Yesterday, last night, she says, I call all of you to pray for my intentions. Peace is in danger. And it's November 25th, 88 message here. 
in the bedroom. It says, I call you to prayer for you to have an encounter with God in prayer. God gives himself to you, but he wants you to answer in your own freedom to his invitation. That is why, little children, during the day, find yourselves a special time when you can pray in peace and humility and have this meeting with God, the creator. That's why we're outside in creation. That's why we're out there in the rain. That's why we go to 5 a.m. prayer. It came through the incentive with other messages, but this was a foundational message that I had to find a time in the day I could have an encounter with God. The community joined me. That is why little children during the day find yourselves a special time where you can pray in peace and humility and have this meeting with God the Creator. I am with you. I intercede for you in front of God. Watch in vigil so that every count in prayer may be the joy of your contact with God. Never have we had the moment. Never have we had the time when heaven's been so near. 34 years for a transfigured heavenly being, the greatest in heaven, Come in and encounter us. And what are you doing at 1040 Central Time every day? Are you in prayer at that time? Are you in mindless wonderment at that time? Are you in sin at that moment? All these would be regretted. Gratefulness begets another favor. Thanksgiving is important. Our ladies intentions are important. And I don't tell you that. I tell you that fresh words from Maria just a few moments ago, that when Our Lady says these words, pray for my intentions, is very significant. The rarity of her saying it over 34 years, only 27 times, speaks of how rare out of thousands of messages this means. And the fact it's associated with peace and danger even highlights the significance even greater. The fact that she said that eight times here in a small three-month period even gives significance to our place that you and I as well in this community get thanksgiving that she's given a spot outside of Medjugorje geographically that has a play in her last apparitions on earth. How much more thankful should we be for such a grace and a blessing for me, my family, the community, for you and this nation to reconcile ourselves, our families, and our nation back to God. We invite you to come here December 8th to the 12th. December 8th is a day of mercy, the beginning of it for the year that the Pope has declared. Come and convert. Come and change your mentalities. Happy Thanksgiving. We wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomics show with a friend of Medjugorje. 
To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.